Welcome to my podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm a realtor in South Central Alaska, and my mission is to help people build intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate. The purpose of this podcast is to really tell the stories of people who have uh, lived in Alaska for years or have recently moved up here. And today I'm actually very happy to introduce you all to a friend of mine who recently moved up from Utah. And um, this is Stanley and he and his family just recently, like (laughs) very, very recently, uh, just moved up to Alaska. So a lot of the insights he has is going to be very useful for those that are thinking about making the journey here soon. So um, Stanley, thanks very much for for coming on here. I know we uh, woke you up from your from your nap just a little bit ago, so <laughs> <laughs> I uh, do appreciate you uh, you making time here. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for having me on. Anytime. So let's go and just jump into it here. So, uh, what got you thinking about moving to Alaska? Is this something that you and the family wanted to do for a long time, or was this just kind of an opportunity, kind of a move? Well, it was. Um we've we've lived all over we lived in florida montana and then lastly there utah and and before that we lived in arkansas kentucky you name it we've lived a little bit of everywhere um there in utah things were just getting out of control with the expenses and uh, i seen an opportunity to get a promotion with my job and uh uh take and uh take that and move up here to alaska uh, I, and I've been researching this for a year or so, all of the differences and everything. So we finally, the opportunity came open. I uh, applied for that promotion and, and got it and uh, uh, went to PAC. Of course, we researched all the different ways to move. Uh, the the Alcan, um, the ferry system, flying, you name it. We, we looked at all of them. We finally decided to uh, uh, go ahead and drive the Alcan to come up. Gotcha. And what was the the big deciding factor for you guys? Um, mainly it was the cost. The cost, uh, of course, obviously we had items we wanted to bring with us. So that put us down to basically hiring movers, um, taking the ferry or driving the entire way. Um, movers were out of the question because it was insanely expensive. Um, how much, and- like how how expensive was it? Like if you just remember off the top of your head, we got a quote. uh, We got a couple of different quotes. The cheapest one we found to move, uh, estimated at a at a two bedroom apartment, um, and that would be moving the vehicle as well. We have a twenty two F one fifty. The cheapest quote I got was about ninety eight hundred. That you know, and for the ferry. Uh, or uh, I apologize for movers. Now the ferry, uh, when you figured in, um, if we took a trailer, which I've got a, a 12 by 16, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, six by 12 uh, cargo trailer with the trailer and the truck to take that on the ferry, you were looking at close to, I think it was around 7,500 and that's without the accommodations of getting a cabin or anything. That's basically sleeping on deck. Yeah, that, uh, that sounds pretty familiar. And, um, <laughs> you know, I was actually just talking with a, a friend of mine who moved up from Arizona just a little bit ago, and he was talking about how uh, they moved up on the ferry. I mean, it was great. And uh, like the, fr- the first night, 
um, when they went out there and just slept on the deck and they're like, Oh, this is pretty cool. And then like the weather hit and it was just, just raining cats and dogs and like wind and they're out yeah, there in this tent. Podcast, didn't you? Say again, did you have him on one of the podcasts. I, I sure did. So yeah, I, I listened to that one. <laughs> It was like, ah, oh, that doesn't sound fun. So anytime yeah. I've I've done the ferry, I've definitely um I'll I'll be the party pooper and just go get a cabin because it uh save you from that. <laughs> it's a little less adventurous, but I'll take dry over adventurous anytime. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So you guys decided to do the Alcan then. What was the crossing like um into the across the border? That's a funny story. Just a word of advice, don't ever listen to your GPS when it says it can save you 25 minutes because that we crossed over at the Montana crossing. Um, the GPS pops something up, says, oh, save 24 minutes by taking this route. Me, naturally, I clicked it. Didn't say what it was doing. We get close to the border. It takes us off on a gravel road way back in the middle of nowhere. We pop back out on the highway. I look behind us and there's the border crossing. Oh, get no. The GPS. <laughs> bypassed us so uh, i don't know if you're familiar with the montana crossing there it's uh four lane there's nowhere to turn around or anything like that so we kept trucking um and uh so that was that was a little bit interesting of course it, we're, we're sweating bullets the whole time because we're basically illegally in canada at that time <laughs> like are we illegal immigrants like <laughs> exactly we, my wife and i laughed about that uh, the entire time that's wild. So what then, uh, are you guys like still Canadian fugitives or did you eventually find like the border and yeah. get it sorted well, out? When, you know, the thing was when we came through uh, entering back into Alaska, we did, there's no bypassing that or anything. We were worried about what they were going to say. Um, and we pulled up, she asked for our passports and asked if we had any tomatoes or oranges with us. We said no. She said, "Okay, have a nice day." And that was it. It took thirty seconds, um, which I was shocked. <laughs> I figured they would have asked a few more questions, but that was all that was asked of us. No, it's really the uh, it's really the U.S. getting into Canada is the more the more challenging side of that right. equation. But it good to know trip. that. Yeah, good to know that's uh, that's an option. I never knew that. <laughs> That's yeah, I'll, uh, just for future reference and anybody that's traveling, if your GPS tells you that, look at what it's saying you're bypassing to get around that because it saved the 24 minutes because you didn't have to wait in line to go through the board. So, I mean, it did its job. <laughs> I, I, absolutely, I guess. And we've seen several, um, you know, there were, it wasn't just us taking that path. There were several uh, semi trucks going that way, which I was really surprised. You know, I, I didn't realize until we got back out on the highway that we had just bypassed the entrance to Canada. <laughs> you guys are out there like with the coyotes and <laughs> all the border <laughs> smugglers. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So what was the, what was the journey like when you were in Canada? Like how many days did it take you guys? Oh my goodness. Um, the journey wasn't too bad. Um, we were making good time and everything going all the way until um, when we hit uh, Haynes Junction. We stayed the night there. When we left out of there, um, when you leave out of there, you go up and there's a big lake. And I can't remember for the life of me what that lake was called, but it instantly went to snow and ice. 
and this was um well let's see it was what was it october 13th i believe it was um so it was early and uh which it didn't surprise me but from there all the way until we got about 30 miles uh north of eagle river it was snow and ice and if it wasn't snow and ice there was fog so thick you couldn't see five feet in front of you now the problem with that we thought well we'll pull off and stay the night somewhere get up in the morning maybe it'll be better all the little pull-offs which in in canada your pull-offs to rest it's just a blue sign with a picture of a trash can on it that's pretty much all it is every one of those were full um and we're clipping along at a usually a maximum 25 miles an hour was as fast you could go because of the fog and the the wildlife and everything and the snow on the on the road um those were all full we were able to stay we stayed one night um we did finally find one of the pull-offs that it was actually daylight then and everybody else had left out but we'd been driving my wife had been driving for over 24 hours so we pulled off and rested there a little bit and then another night it was really foggy um we even tried to to pull off all the hotels were booked up they wouldn't even allow us they don't allow you to even park in their parking lots um and of course there's not a lot uh, it's not like you can find uh, a cracker barrel to pull into to stay the night or something like that there's nothing in that area um we did pull off in a uh in the middle of the night there was a uh, big timber mill and the sign on the front of the they had a little grocery store the sign said they opened at 6 a.m so we set an alarm and we slept until 5 a.m and got up and left uh, but that was the main thing there was nowhere to pull off ah it's so frustrating yeah and uh did you guys run into any issues with um lodging any other nights were you able to, to find hotels that were open and we uh we stayed in when we got across we stayed in uh i think it's called uh rocky mountain home there there were hotels there we stayed the night there then when we got up to uh um i think it's dawson's creek we stayed the night in a hotel there and then the, the last hotel we stayed in was in uh uh, Haynes Junction. And that's, that's the only three hotels that we stayed at coming across uh, from the border all the way until we got to Anchorage. Um, and the last part of it, for example, um, you know, there were places to say like in talk but, uh, and everything, but it, we were already so close. Uh, and, and I had a deadline to be at work. We literally got here at 5 a.m. and I had to start work at 7. So I slept for two hours in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> So cutting it, it a little close yeah yeah that's that's wild so what tips or tricks would you offer for people that are thinking about using the, the alcan because most people end up using the alcan or consolidating everything down and just flying up here but i mean the vast majority decide to use the alcan so um right. what what tricks or, or insights would you use um besides avoiding advice of the gps when you're on the immediate border right um one of the things of course my wife and i have been married 32 years we have a ton of memories and things like that that we've collected things from our our uh when our when our kids were little uh and things like that so we couldn't consolidate down enough to be able to fly or anything that way um 
so the main thing I can tell you is be prepared and have, you know, most people are going to have a deadline because, uh, you know, pretty much everyone's going to have employment up here and everything that way before they start their way up here or they're going to be retired or something. But if you have a deadline, make sure you leave and give yourself plenty of time um, to take it because for the most part, and I was actually surprised how good the road conditions were on the Alcan. Um, for the most part, the roads were pretty good, but you never know with the weather. The weather in that area, um, I, it's kind of a, you know, you have to make a choice. If you're going to come during the summer, you're going to have a lot of traffic and a lot of RVs on the road. If you wait till later, you could be just like we did and end up um, having weather issues. So uh, make sure you check the time of year. Make sure you have good good tires on your vehicle. I followed your advice. We had spares for you know for everything. We got a good set of uh, of uh, really good all terrain. Well, they're actually called ultra terrain tires. Got really good tires, so we had those. Make sure you're prepared with that. Um, you may not need it, but always make sure you have those spares. Uh, and uh, like I said, the main thing is give yourself plenty of time. I did not do that. Um, we had I had plenty of time, but the problem was, um, especially with us being older, trying to get everything loaded into our trailer timely to be able to take off from our home there in, in Utah. That was our... Uh, <clears throat> that was our big issue, just trying to get on the road. Uh, once we got on the road, by that time, we didn't have a lot of time and we felt really pressured. So I would recommend give yourself at least a couple of weeks because uh, that was a 54-hour drive in normal conditions. But when you've got ice on the road and fog, um, I think my wife said it took us a total of 84 hours uh, to drive that because the last half of it was sometimes 15 miles an hour because the fog was so thick. I mean, very easily. I mean, that's, you guys had that happen, but I mean, I've gone through before and they've had fires or they've had wrecks, um, you know, they've had wildlife, they got hit and like everyone was completely, you know, stopped still on the road. So, I mean, if, you know, like you said, you really want to make sure that you don't, set yourself in a, a position where you've got that extra stress of uh, having to get there with a uh, two hours to spare. <laughs> right. And, you know, you talk about the wildlife literally in a, about a four mile stretch um, at summit Lake there in Canada is where we literally seen all the wildlife. When we came down, there's a little stream there. We came down to the bottom. There was a, uh, a big horn ram standing in the middle of the road. We drove a hundred yards. Here's a moose and a calf standing off to the side. Um, there was literally a herd of elk ran in front of us. And um, what a, there was something else. Um, Is there a bison? It was, we did, my wife saw one, uh, two bison. I was asleep. Uh, but, uh, um, and there was, it, I think they were, uh, and I don't know for sure, but they looked like black-tailed deer, a big herd of them. And this was all within a five-mile stretch on that road. After that, we seen uh, one or two caribou off in the distance traveling. And that was the wildlife, that's what I was really expecting uh, to see a lot of. You know, we uh, bought our binoculars and had everything. Our cameras never saw it other than that. And it was at night. Um, 
other than that little five mile stretch, there really wasn't anything. I was really shocked by that. Hmm. If all things even, like what time of the year would you have preferred to have to have moved up at? Or I mean, would you have kept it as the at the same? My my, my ideal time was the time when I was planning on leaving Utah, which was uh, mid-September to give yourself time because we waited until the first part of October, uh, first to mid-October. And it, by that time, like I said, it was just far enough out to where we caught that first snowfall and ice and everything on the road. So if I could have left, I would say the ideal time would probably be around the first of September because you're, you're, most all the stores and everything are still open, but it's not during that tourist season. All the kids have went back to school families aren't traveling. Um, it, it's still, it's pretty because you can see a lot of, you know, you can see a long way the leaves had all fallen by the time we came through. So you can see, you know, we have a really good viewable distance. Um, if it wasn't for the fog and the, the ice, it would have been spectacular because we would have been able to see everything and drive it at the normal speed, which I think most of the normal speed was a hundred kilometers an hour. Um, and I think that translates to about 55 or 60 miles an hour, um, something like that. So it would have, it would have been ideal if we could have left two weeks earlier. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. One thing I just thought of too, like if you're there, like at the very first ice of the year, I mean, you're going to be right alongside people that are seeing, experiencing, you know, driving on icy roads again for the first time for about a year. And for some people like their very first time. So, right. I don't know that, uh, and that... you got to remember too, most of the locals are running 75 to 80 miles an hour. So you're basically a nuisance to them. They are, they will fly back fly past you. And it, it really worries you when you have, um, a two wheel drive car come flying around you at 80 miles an hour and they're slipping and sliding sideways and they're just going about it like it's no big deal. And we're in a brand new four wheel drive off-road edition vehicle. And we're worried about going any faster because it's sliding around. I can't imagine how the normal, you know, the, the front wheel drive vehicles were doing it. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately you see a lot of, um, uh, a lot of drivers like that and the story almost always ends up in the ditch up here so right. yeah it's um i don't know I, i'm probably a little too passionate on that right now just because we just had our like first ice and snow up here just a little bit ago and it's like uh some of these people it's like you know open you wrap yourself around a tree you're the only one involved that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> right. And yeah, I was, I, of course, I only live maybe, uh, well, it's a six minute drive to my work. I, I live here in Anchorage. Um, and when we had that first snow, of course, I had everything happens on a Thursday that the one day I have to go into the office. And uh, um, I was surprised how people were driving. They were driving fairly quickly. Um, and of course, I, I watch a lot of different YouTubers here. And I have uh, one gentleman that I, I watch all the time. He was out basically like, traffic reporting on it showing all the accidents and people were just acting like there was nothing on the roads and it was it wasn't a big snow we only got maybe three or four inches but um it was sloppy and just it was slick out there yeah i mean especially this area in south central alaska because this is where most 
people when they're they're first getting started with Alaska, this is going to be where they move to initially. So it right. has the highest concentration of of kind of the the new people to the state. And unfortunately, some of them don't really give the the road conditions the respect they deserve on the first time, um, yeah. at least the first couple of dates. And then they get used to it. And then they're driving just like the pros after that. But yeah, I, I really try to avoid driving on the roads if I can, like the first couple of days after a, the first snow or ice, because it's, it's chaotic and, um, you know, some people are only going to learn until they go into a ditch. So I'll let everyone have their, <laughs> right. have those little experiences and those lessons. And I'll hop right back on once we've kind of established the baseline again. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've, I've literally seen more wildlife here in downtown Anchorage, uh, than we did on our trip up. Uh, of course it's all moose, but they're, um, you know, they're, they're pretty common here in, in town. Yeah, because you had one that was just kind of like parked right outside your work, right? Yeah, we had, uh, it wasn't last Thursday, but the Thursday before. And of course, we were getting big snow. That That's the first snow I was referring to. Um, he was probably a 60-inch moose, and he was just wandering around our parking lot. And uh, you don't realize how big those things are if you haven't lived around them. Uh, but there was a full-size uh, Dodge Ram 1500, and he walked right up beside it, and he was standing about chest high to the top of the cab, looking over it and just looking around. And I couldn't imagine what the guy in it trying to get into a parking spot was thinking when that thing was uh, basically rubbing its chest on his truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As a rule of thumb, moose really do have the right of way at all times. <laughs> yes. Just yeah, I, absolutely. I thought about going out there and filming it, but I know my luck and my balance. I would sneak out there around the edge of the building and slip and fall and he'd come trample me. So. I decided to just look at him through the window. It's like uh, some kind of a nightmare or some kind of um, kind of a bad cartoon where you're just like running in place on the ice and you can't go anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> because all around the building on the sidewalks and everything was, uh, it had started uh, kind of melting around there near the building. So it was all just a solid sheet of ice. There was no, there would be nowhere, nowhere and no way to run. <laughs> oh, so probably a good call there. Um, can you explain some of the differences that you've seen um, from the houses or the the properties up here in Alaska so far? You know, are there are there any big differences you've noticed? Um, well, there's a, there's a few differences. One, everybody always it, it's a it's a false statement when people say, "Oh, everything is so expensive in Alaska." Now, this is my opinion coming from Utah. Um, Housing is cheaper here as far as renting or purchasing than it was in Utah. Um, groceries, your fresh fresh vegetables and fruits are a little more expensive here, but not too bad. Um, for, for groceries and things that way, for the most part. Now, like I said, this is speaking just coming from, a lot, from uh, Utah. Um, your, your meats are cheaper here, which was a shock to me. Um, and, uh, um, you know, all of your, like your canned vegetables, they're the same price and everything that way. But as far as housing, um, we had, when we lived in Utah, we had a dated, uh, townhome, two bed, two bath. Um, and we moved up here and we're paying the same price and we have, uh, 
we have a really nice condo here, uh, more square footage, but it's a sing, you know, a single level, has an elevator in the building, um, radiant heat, uh, a heated garage for the same price. And the utilities are cheaper here because of the fact of this radiant flooring. We, we've yet to turn our heat on at all. I keep the radiant flooring turned all the way down and it, it does really good. But um, um, as far as, as the rents, it, it, it seems like there, there wasn't as many um, availabilities for nicer uh, condos, houses and things like that for rent here. But there was a lot of options. There were, there were a lot more options as there was in, uh, in Utah. Utah, you've got, if you're planning on moving, um, you've got to secure something a month ahead of time. Because if not, when you just wait till the last minute, there's nothing available. So, uh, yeah, and and another good thing about moving up here this time of year, tourist season's gone, and it seems to me anyway like the rents all dropped. Uh, you know, for from the first of October on. Um, for example, the place that we're in here now, it was listed before, and I was keeping an eye on it. It dropped three hundred dollars first oh, of October. Wow. So, uh, you know, it was, um, and I didn't even realize it had dropped. I had been in contact with the owner, uh, which was, you know, the property manager owner. Um, and we came over, looked at it. I expected to pay that, that bigger price. He, uh, pulled the contract out for us to sign it and they had dropped the price $300. So I was, I was thankful for that. And, uh, and, uh, so, you know, it, it wasn't bad when we first moved up here. We stayed at the little, I think it's called the Mike Hotel there in Eagle River. Um, we stayed there for about four days. And uh, that was just because I didn't have time with work to get out. And because uh, uh, we arrived here on a Wednesday. So I had to work Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So we didn't really have time to get out and look for any places. And uh, I'd already been in contact with these people. So literally, this is the first place we went and looked and ended up signing a lease on this house or this townhome. Well, it sounds like it worked out pretty well. And, um, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a lucky break with your, uh, with the rental rate. So no complaints there, I'm sure. Right. So now that you're living up here, you know, is Alaska about what you thought it was going to be or because I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of people, they have, um, they've seen a lot of reality TV shows and they get up here or, you know, other channels that are out there and they, they get out here and it's, uh, it's slightly disappointing if that was their expectation. So is um, Alaska yeah. about what you thought it would be? I'll tell you, it's, it's everything I thought it would be and more because you always hear about, uh, you know, oh, it's, it's remote. There's not a lot to do there. Anchorage has a ton of restaurants um if you you know if that's your thing to go going out to eat now as far as as entertainment my wife and i are kind of homebodies so we don't get into uh you know we don't go to concerts uh or anything the, the last concert i went to was in 1989 and it was on a dare uh because it was uh, a concert for uh nwa um uh, there was NWA, two live crew, and a bunch of them, and my friends dared me to go to it. Went to it at Freedom Hall in Louisville, Kentucky, and had an absolute blast. And that's the last concert I've been to. So we don't do a lot of uh, our idea of entertainment is to go to the zoo, go out and see the nature, uh, fishing, things like that. My wife doesn't like to hunt, but I love to hunt. 
Well, I guess you're really looking forward to next year then when, um, because I think you should be able to to hop on and get the um, the in-resident hunter license maybe for next season, or is that going to be the season after that? You have to be here one full year before you can get a resident license. Uh, I'm right at the end of the hunting season now, huh? mm -hmm. Yeah, so... So I, and I wasn't looking until we actually get a house. I'm not real. I'm not real angry at the wildlife. I'm going to let that go because, you know, trying to, to have storage and, and things for them. Now the fishing season, I'll definitely, I'll probably go ahead and get my non-resident fishing license. I think it's $140, something like that, because I plan on being out in the summertime a lot fishing. Yeah. And I mean, if you're just looking for great fishing spots where you can kind of uh, really put that fishing license to work, um, really what you want to do is find the, uh, the, the spots where the salmon are coming in from the ocean and going into the Creek, because you can right. get right at that, um, right at the mouth of the Creek. And as long as you're still in salt water, you can just use the, the big snagging hook and drag them in. And right. there is zero sport at all in it like this is nothing but just cold-hearted business <laughs> fishing at its best yeah that's that's really what it is and it is awesome let me tell you you can you know walk away with your limit probably within about an hour or so so right that, that's really the way to do it um they've got a spot over in whittier um seward's pretty good too so if you're uh, you're looking for places then i mean that's that's definitely my two go-tos. Um, you can definitely do like Kenai and Kasilov, but you know, mostly you've got dip netters down there and that's, yeah, I'm not a completely different ball game. Yeah. Well, you'll have to let me know. I'll have to go with you one day. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So what part of living in Alaska is going to take the longest to adjust to? Honestly, moving from Utah, really not an adjustment. And I lived in Montana as well. So the cold and the snow is not anything for us to adjust to. Now, obviously, if you moved here from Southern California or Florida, it would be tough. But the one thing we have to adjust to a little bit, it, there's a lot more humidity in the air here than there was in Utah. Really? Um, yes. It, uh, Utah, if it got uh, up over 15% humidity, it was a shock. Um even even during the winter time, a lot of times uh, the humidity might get up to thirty percent, but it's a lot more humid here than it was there. So, and that that also translates to the cold feeling a little colder here. But like I said, we also lived in Montana for a few years, and Montana is typically colder than it is here. Yeah, and that's something a whole lot of people don't really appreciate. Um, about Alaska. I mean, everyone just kind of sees the, uh, the, the YouTube thumbnails about negative 50 degrees and everyone just kind of assumes that one size fits all, but I can personally testify after driving around and flying around the entire state in the past, like five days or so, it is such a diverse climate. Like you don't even know, like I was in, I was in Fairbanks and it was like 20 degrees and like everyone's running around, like you know, chickens with their heads cut off because they're like, oh, it's so warm. Right. It's like this is this <laughs> they honestly just don't know what to do with themselves because it's so warm. Meanwhile, like down here in Kodiak, where I'm at right now, it's like 30, 40 degrees. Like it it's actually like quite a bit warmer than the rest of the state. Like there's like actually no snow on the ground in Kodiak. It doesn't really snow here during the winter time. Right. And, 
and you go down to Juno and it's it's like Seattle, just a little colder Seattle is really all it is. Right. So, yeah, big big diverse climate and um you know, the the coldest I've ever felt was when we lived in Jacksonville, Florida. We had 29 degrees one day and the wind was blowing. We had a, a small craft advisory. I thought I was going to freeze to death. Um, and like I said, I've lived in Utah and Montana and everything. And that was coldest because of the humidity. The humidity makes a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, make fun of people from Florida when they're talking about, oh, I can't believe you're complaining when it's like 40, 50 degrees down there, toughen up. It was like negative something up here. The guys, that humidity, like I'm from yeah. Alaska. I'm telling you that humidity yeah. would cut you to the bone. Like you would not believe yeah, yeah. <laughs> That when we lived in Utah before, it would be 19 degrees, and I would be out there in a T-shirt with the snowblower cleaning off the driveway. Um, Florida, you're that guy, huh? <laughs> yeah, Florida, if it's 40 degrees, you're freezing to death. Yeah, no joke. So, real quick, then, um, from your perspective, what are some of the pros and the cons you've noticed from your time up here so far? I've got to be honest. Uh, the pros people seem like they're really friendly here i know you hear that stereotype that they don't they're not easily they don't easily warm up to people but they'll always stop and help you if you're on the highway from my perspective from where we came from everybody is super friendly here um i love the scenery the views uh you know here in anchorage you've got mountains on one side and ocean on the other so uh you you've got the best of everything here um and uh as far as cons, I, I don't have any, uh, you know, and that's, that's just me. I guess if you were one of those people that were into going to concerts and the entertainment, it may be a con for them. But for, for me, um, it's perfect. Yep. Does it, uh, does it feel just like home yet? Or is it, I'm um, going to take a little adjusting to, um, to kind of get to that point yet? Well, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily feel like home we've moved all over so we don't the only place that we consider that feels like home is <laughs> it's a very abstract concept yeah. <laughs> you've moved around that much right gotcha but, yeah it's like i said it's all we all that we thought it would be and more outstanding outstanding well do you have any final thoughts or um, any other tips or tricks you'd like to offer to people who are thinking about doing the same thing? Um, and I think you've mentioned this in one of your other, uh, one of your other programs. If you aren't able to drive, it's going to be tough because public transportation doesn't look like it's the best. Me, I'm actually legally blind. So shout out to my wife. She drove all the way up here on her own and I was just in the passenger seat. So, uh, um, you know, you may want to think that through if you if you're not able to drive because there's not a lot does downtown Anchorage here. There's some public transportation, but it's not like your other cities. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's there, but I mean, it, it's going to be kind of limited. And the thing about Anchorage is it's literally the largest city in North America um, land wise. So. Right. You know, it's, Jacksonville it's was second. I live there too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're kind of just uh, going going off the checklist here. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Well, Stanley, I do really appreciate you, sir. You know, it's uh, it's good to have you here in the area now, and um, you know, looking forward to uh, meeting you here in person when we're 
I mean, it feels like you got here into town and I just instantly like left and went gallivanting <laughs> all around the entire state, but I swear I'm not avoiding you. <laughs> yeah, like I said, and, and here, you know, it's not going to be too long. My wife and I'll be looking for a house and I'll definitely get in contact with you. Sounds good. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see if I can get you something around Palmer sooner rather than later. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, I appreciate it, sir. And for those of you who are um, wanting more information, I mean, certainly feel free to check out some more episodes here on the podcast or go check out the YouTube channel at Alaska Realtor. And that's going to have a lot of other information like this that'll be useful for you in the future. So without further ado, signing off. Oh, 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 oh